Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved, we are living in a suffering time now. Suffering is always going on, of course, but it's usually individual. We can observe, hold ourselves apart from others' suffering. And then, a few times in our own lives, we are singled out. Someone we love dies. We're plunged into sorrow and uncertainty as a job disappears or a marriage ends. None of us is immune to suffering, but we usually take turns doing it. Right now, however, we're all suffering. There are degrees of pain, but no one is sitting pretty right now. I've heard commentators suggest that 2020, the year that will not end, is as if the flu of 1918, the unrest of 1968, and the economic collapse of 2008 all happened at once. Our entire society is groaning under the weight of a pandemic that has stalked us with illness and revealed troubling weaknesses in our society how working families depend on school as much for childcare as they do for education, how fragile and exploitative the gig economy is, how our passion for individuality can be distorted into contempt for the common good. We fear getting COVID-19, passing it on to those we love, but we all are already ill from a pandemic that isolates us, keeps us from seeing beloved elderly parents or playing with grandchildren, prevents us from hugging friends. And in this pandemic that has swept the world, we also find ourselves again, confronting the epidemic of racism, the virus we've never found a cure or vaccine for, a virus that we too often have hoped would just disappear on its own. And in this moment, we are all suffering. Black people who've lived under the mantle of racist structures, even as white people refuse to acknowledge that reality. White people are suffering too, at least during this window when we see clearly now the history and legacy of racism, feel the guilt of our privilege of pretending that we didn't know for so long. Let's face it, no one feels too great right now. Though many people minimize their own suffering by saying some have it worse, I don't think that's very helpful. The truth is, we're in a hard, painful time, personally, politically, socially.
I was fascinated then recently in this suffering time when I saw a study of Bible reading during the pandemic. Turns out it's down, way, way down. Those who used to have a regular habit of scripture study have slacked off and those who in the past turned to the Bible in times of crisis for answers just aren't interested right now. I know many are struggling with prayer. Routines have been disrupted. And to be honest, some days the most I can manage for my personal prayer is to mutter, what the hell, God? Thank goodness, as St. Paul writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray. The Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Still, it's curious that so few of us are looking to scripture in this suffering time. After all, the Bible is shot through with suffering. People oppressed in slavery, attacked by enemies, people mourning the death of dreams of loved ones, prophets warning societies of coming judgment and suffering for the ways they've gone astray and on and on and on. The Bible is story after story of people suffering, crying out to God for help, for forgiveness, for understanding, crying out, what the hell, God? The gospel isn't the gospel unless it addresses suffering, speaks to the suffering. And yet, and yet even now in this suffering time, we seem to turn away from suffering. I mean, that makes sense, I suppose. No one wants to suffer. Yet it doesn't seem optional for humans. That too is clear in scripture. As Paul says to the Romans, he assumes that we will suffer the hardship and distress of normal living, as well as perhaps persecution for faithfulness. Still, we seek to avoid suffering in so many ways. Sometimes we diminish our own suffering by saying it's not as bad as others, and we deny our own pain. Other times we focus only on our own suffering, so focused on self that do we diminish the suffering of others. But perhaps our favorite way to avoid suffering, okay, maybe my favorite way, is through blame. If we can find someone to blame, someone at fault for the pain, then we can focus on that, discharging our discomfort with the fact that something is not right, something hurts, our lives are not the way that we imagined they would be. But in doing that, we miss out. We miss out on being close to God the God who draws close to us in suffering. It's normal to try to be stoic about suffering, to not let it alter us, to be tough. But that's not really Christian. After all, God chose to join us in this suffering world. He did not withhold his own son but gave him up for us. By doing so, God altered the nature of suffering itself. 
God altered the nature of the universe itself so that no matter what, no matter what is done to us, no matter what we do, we are not condemned. We are not on our own in suffering or in guilt. No one can condemn us, for Christ Jesus suffered, died, was raised, and yes, intercedes for us. We will not be conquered by sin or suffering or guilt or death. In fact, after Paul quotes the 44th Psalm about the people of God's suffering, he writes, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors of suffering. We who follow, who are being saved by a suffering Christ, we are not to seek to conquer suffering, which sounds ridiculous for who wants to suffer. Let's squash it, avoid it get rid of it. Let's conquer it. But no, we who follow a suffering Christ don't conquer suffering. Rather, because God loves us and joined us in suffering, we can be transformed by our suffering, joining it to Christ's suffering on the cross, joining it to the suffering of those around us, allowing this suffering time to soften us into love for all who suffer. I do not seek to valorize or romanticize suffering, nor do I suggest we pursue it. Don't worry, suffering will find us. But I do agree with Congressman John Lewis, who died last week, and who for his whole life fought for the dignity and rights of all people, putting his own life on the line over and over and over again, especially during the civil rights movement. In his memoir, Lewis writes, we must honor our suffering. There is something in the very essence of anguish that is liberating, cleansing, redemptive. I always understood the idea of the ultimate redeemer, Christ on the cross. But now I was beginning to see that this is something that is carried out in every one of us. That the purity of unearned suffering is a holy and effective thing. It affects not only ourselves, but it touches and changes those around us as well. It opens us and those around us to a force beyond ourselves, a force that is right and moral. Suffering puts us and those around us in touch with our conscience. It opens and touches our hearts. It makes us feel compassion where we need to and guilt if we must. Suffering makes us feel compassion where we need to, and guilt if we must. We are in a suffering time, beloved. That is true. But even in this time, in all times, we are not without hope. For even in our suffering, we know we are not alone. We know that suffering is not meaningless, but gains meaning from the one who suffered for us. In our suffering, we might wonder where God is. Our prayer lives might sputter along as we mutter, what the hell, God? 
we are promised that nothing, not our suffering, not our guilt, will separate us from the love of Christ. In this suffering time, we could lose hope. But even, especially in suffering, there is hope. There is promise. This promise from St. Paul. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.